Hey, good morning and welcome back. Uh, that was a great time of worship, wasn't it? And I just pray that your homes and your workplaces or wherever you are was just filled with the presence of God then. Again, we want to give a warm welcome to everyone that's joined us um, from around England, but also around the world. So glad that you can uh, be a part of what we're doing on Sunday mornings. And we just pray that God's goodness and favour will be all over your life at this time. Um, <clears throat> I want to start today by asking a, a very simple question. Are you a believer or are you a disciple? Now, when it comes to Christianity, I believe that there's almost three categories of people. There's unbelievers, believers and disciples. Now, you may say to me, but what's the difference? Um, it's the same thing, isn't it, to be a believer or to be a disciple? Yeah, they're similar, but also they can be very, very different in experience, what people have committed to or what they're in, experiencing from God. Now, I want to look at that a little bit further today in our time together. We've been speaking a lot over the last few weeks about soul winning and uh, the Great Commission and the importance of seeing our friends and our families saved. We've looked at the commissions that Jesus spoke of in Mark 16, 15, when he commissioned us to go, but specifically around the Great Commission in Matthew 28. But we see the Lord asks us to do a number of things. He asks us to be a going people, that we're not to be locked in buildings, imprisoned by buildings, not caring that there's a world that's going to hell if they don't hear the good news of Jesus Christ. But also we see that Jesus didn't just tell us to go and get responses, but he told us to go and make disciples. And so when we look at this, we've got to understand that when we come to respond to this great commission, Jesus never said, go into all the world and get people to put their hands up. Now, often we'll do that at the end of a service as um, a sign of confession or a sign of somebody responding to the good news of Jesus. We'll say, hey, if you prayed that prayer in your heart, why don't you go ahead and lift your hands? And obviously we did that when we met together in buildings and you could see the hands were being lifted. But Jesus never commissioned us to go into all the world to get people to just pray a prayer to respond and to leave it at that. Rather, he commissioned us to go into the world, into our local worlds first, and to be making disciples. Now, I want to read these verses in Matthew 28 from a couple of translations this morning. I'm going to read firstly from the ESV, and it says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even till the end of the age. But I love the way that the amplified version colors it in further, makes it a little bit more amplified when it says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Help the people to learn of me, believe in me and obey my words. I love that. It says, go into all the world, make disciples. That's to help the people to learn of me. Remember, the offer of Jesus was come to me, but also learn of me. Now, we're called to go into our worlds, our local worlds first, and help people to learn of Jesus, believe in Jesus, and to obey his words. It then continues on, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I've taught and commanded you to do. Now, there's three things that we read about in that passage, or three things 
things that the Lord specifically asks us to do. Number one, he says that we're to be a people that go. And we've been speaking about that over the last few weeks, that we don't want to be a people who stay. We want to be a people who go in response to this great commission, that we go into the worlds of those who haven't yet heard about Jesus and not communicate to them a religious message that brings them into greater bondage, but the life-giving message of Jesus. But again, I want to highlight this morning that it says, number one, go, but then number two, that we're to make disciples. Again, it doesn't say go, get people to pray a prayer, get them to lift their hands. It's very specific, and it says go and make disciples of people. But then thirdly, it says be teaching them to observe all that I have taught and commanded. So there is a difference between a person who is a believer and a person that's a believer, as in they've believed in Jesus, but they've also now committed to be a disciple or follower of Jesus or Jesus also. So let's look at what a believer is. Um, according to the dictionary, a believer is someone who has placed faith in something or someone. That's the definition of what a believer is. It's someone who has chosen to place their faith in something or someone. It's amazing each day the things that we believe in or place faith in, uh, even without even thinking a lot of the time. Just now when I sat down, I believed that the chair would hold me. I sat upon it and I'm thankful because that would have been quite embarrassing. My faith was not disappointed. I didn't fall on the floor, but I believed in the chair to save me or to hold me. But there's no way we know the chair as an object can affect me beyond that. But also my brakes this morning, driving here, there wasn't a time when I suddenly said, oh, I wonder if my brakes are going to work. I wonder if my brakes are going to stop at this junction. No, I believed that my brakes would stop me. And again, I was glad that I wasn't disappointed. So were other drivers around me. Now to believe is simply to place your faith in something to help you or to save you. Now, we need to understand that when it comes to believing in God, that's a very powerful thing. But also the demons, according to James 2, verse 19, believe in God and shudder. Let me read that verse to you. It says, you believe that there is a God. It says, um, that's good. Even though, remember, that the demons also remember, that the demons also believe as a God and shudder. So to believe in God is a key thing. But God doesn't want us to stop at believing in him. He wants us to move from believing and receiving our salvation to being followers or disciples of him also. Now, the good news is the Bible tells us clearly that Believing causes a person to be saved. Now, I want to underline that in our time together. But, you know, I'm thinking of that story in Acts 16, verse 31, where suddenly there was a supernatural setting free of Paul from a jail. And when the jailer saw how God had set Paul free, he asked this question. He said, sir, what must I do to be saved? That's a great question, isn't it? Sir, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved and your household. So the response of the disciples to this earnest question of this jailer was simple. How do you become saved? Simple. You believe or you place your faith, you put your trust in Jesus 
Christ to save you. So the reality is that believing in Jesus, believing in God is a powerful thing and it causes a person to experience the salvation that God intended for them. But that doesn't mean that in just believing their life is now going to be transformed by God. In believing their life is saved by God. But what causes a person to move beyond just being saved to experiencing what we shared on last week, being transformed, is when they position their life from not only believing to being a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, when somebody's transformed, we shared this last week, it's the result of them not just believing in God, but then having an ongoing commitment to the Holy Spirit's work within them and also the work of the word of God when it's renewing their mind. And we read these verses last week. Now, it's interesting, a great comparison for us to look at would be the thief on the cross that we read about in Luke 23, verse 43. He was a man who believed, but he was never transformed because time never allowed him to be transformed. In these verses in Luke 23, we read about Jesus on the cross, present there, dying for our sin. And in that moment, the Bible records that there was a thief to the left of him and a thief to the right of him. One of the thieves that were there chose to mock him and began to just hurl insults at Jesus when he was on the cross. But the thief on the other side was a little bit sharper. He'd been watching Jesus and he'd come to the understanding in his heart that Jesus was in fact the king he claimed to be. So this thief turns to Jesus and cries out in the last moments of his life before he has any opportunity to bear any fruit that proved his decision was true. He turns to Jesus and he says, Jesus, today, remember me in your kingdom, in your paradise when you get there. I'm so glad that Jesus never turned to him and said, sorry, Johnny, you left it too late, didn't you? You haven't left enough time to change in a way that I want you to change or to prove that you mean what you're saying. I'm so glad that Jesus never said that thing to uh, anything like that, to this earnest seeker that was on the cross next to him. Rather, he turns to this man, looks him in the eyes and says, today you'll be in paradise or my kingdom with me. And indeed, within a few moments, really, that's exactly what happened. Now, we need to understand that it took a second, a split second for that thief on the cross to move from being separated from God to being a friend of God. It took a split second, a, a, a very quick decision to believe in Jesus that caused that thief in a moment to move from being an enemy of God to being a friend of God. But let's bear in mind, yes, he went to heaven, but he went to heaven unchanged in a lot of ways from the person he was because there hadn't been time for him to allow the Holy Spirit and the teachings of Jesus to transform his earthly life. But the good news for us is we do have time to allow the Lord by his word and his spirit to take us from 
a moment where we became a believer, that just like the thief, we placed our faith in Jesus to save us. Let me underline again, and saved we were. We don't believe in penance or any other man-made additive that we need to add to our salvation to make it happen. You know, it's sola fide, it's faith alone. It's when a person places faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour, when they believe that he died on the cross for them, that they were included in his, in his sacrifice, that they, in that moment, like the thief on the cross, go from being unsaved to now being saved. Now, that's brilliant. That makes them a believer. But what we're talking about today is not settling for being a believer, but moving on to being a disciple. Remember our opening text this morning, Jesus said, go into all the world, into every place and make disciples. Let me underline again, he never said go into every place and get people to pray a prayer and stick their hand up. Even though that causes their salvation, Jesus had much more in mind for the people that would place faith in him. His plan was to transform their lives, like we've been hearing over the last few weeks, from what they were into everything he always knew they could be. Now, this happens when a person chooses to shift from just believing in God, from just being a believer, to being a disciple, a follower of God. There's a moment when we first meet the Lord where it's similar to us all being like the crowd that was present when Jesus preached 2,000 years ago. We're there, we hear, we listen, we believe, we respond. Now, many people that you read about in the Gospels remained crowd people, but there were others that chose to move away from being a crowd that just believed to being followers and disciples. I want to encourage you today, don't settle for just being a believer, though that's great, that's got eternal ramifications as well as earthly ones. But I want to encourage you today because there's no lockdown that can stop this happening. There's no segregation, there's no non-meeting together that can affect this in a negative way. Purpose in your heart that you're not just going to be a believer in Jesus, but you are going to shift and be a disciple, a follower of Jesus also, because this is what he's called us to be. Now, believe was only meant to be the entrance level, but people often make it the final destination. Now, think about that for a moment, because that's a powerful statement. To believe was actually the entrance level of God for a person to come into an ever-deepening relationship with him. But sadly today, because often a very cheap gospel is preached, People think that the be-all and end-all of what they do with God is to simply believe, pray a prayer, lift their hand, get on with their life until one day he comes to collect them. No, my friends, God has got so much more for us than just believing. Believing is entrance level that then takes us to greater things in him. Like I said before and referenced before, Jesus experienced in his earthly ministry many crowds. There was never a shortage of crowds. When you read through the Gospels, it says, and Jesus went over here and there was a crowd and he went over here and there was a crowd and he healed the sick in the crowd and he, he raised the dead and he mended broken people that were in the crowd. 
In many ways, it's like the crowd were there to get something. I can remember thinking one day, didn't that annoy you, Lord? That every day of your life that you spent on the earth over those three years of being in ministry, those three and a half years of ministry, what you experienced were people saying, gimme, 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 do for me, do for me. We believe in you, now give us this. And I really felt the Holy Spirit respond to my heart, a very significant answer. I felt the Lord say, well, no, because it wasn't just about how I was ministering to the crowd. I also had another ministry over here that were men and women who had chosen to be more than a crowd. They'd chosen to be disciples, followers of me. And when you read through the Gospels, you actually see that Jesus did two things, really, didn't he? He ministered to the larger crowd and met their needs. Why? Because God loves people. But when he wasn't with the crowd, he was spending time with these men that had stepped out of the crowd because being crowd wasn't enough for them. You see, the crowd are always there for what they can get, but a disciple is there for what they can become. I believe that in many ways we all start in a crowd-like experience where we are there for what we can get. Lord, will you save us? Lord, will you heal us? Lord, will you sort out these situations in our lives? But after a while, I believe that we're meant to, because of the goodness of God, shift from just being around for what we can get to then being around for what we can become. That's when we've moved from just being a believer to being a disciple and a follower too. There's many great definitions uh, on, online, on Google, in books that you can read about what a disciple is. I've grabbed a handful of thoughts to try and clarify the difference between a disciple and a believer for you today. A disciple is someone who is subject to the disciplines of the leader they've chosen to follow. Isn't that an interesting thought? You see, if you're in a crowd and a believer, you've received salvation, but that doesn't mean that you're making your life subject to the one that you've believed in. But that's exactly what a disciple does. It's someone who allows their life or desires their life to now be subject to the disciplines of the leader or the person they've chosen to follow. Now, a lot of times people don't like the word disciple because it comes from the root word discipline. Here's the good news for us today. God doesn't just want to love us and, and cuddle us like a papa God. He also wants to raise us to live lives beyond whatever we imagined they could be. But a life being transformed will always involve an element of discipline. It will always involve not just God being Abba God or Daddy God, but him also being Father God, causing discipline in our life that causes change that doesn't just last in this life, but for, a, for eternity too. Now, someone who is subject to disciplines... That's interesting because we live in a world culture today that people don't want to be subject to any form of discipline unless they join the army or the marines or something like that. Yet God still calls us today to move from being a believer to being someone that says, yes, Lord, now I've believed in you and you've done me good. You've saved my life. I also want to now bring my life and make it subject to your teachings and to your truths. Another definition is a disciple is someone who chooses to adhere 
to the teachings of another. That word adhere um, is the word adhesive. It means to stick. A disciple is someone that chooses no longer to take or leave the teachings of Jesus, but rather purposes to stick by them. Not take them or leave them or go, well, I've believed I'm going to heaven. I don't like this bit. I like that bit. But a disciple is someone that says, no, I am saved and I am going to heaven because I've believed in Jesus. But now I want to take the teachings of Jesus and I want my life to adhere to them, to stick to them, to be defined by them. So a disciple is a follower or a learner. A disciple is someone who takes on the ways of the one they're following. These are great um, definitions of what a disciple is. This final one I like a lot. A disciple is someone who learns from so that they can be like. And to me, that's a really, really, really good way of explaining what a disciple is. It's a person that's purposed or chosen now to learn from a person so that they can be like that person. Again, what do we call that? We call that Christ-likeness. I believe the Bible calls every one of us that have believed in Jesus to Christ-likeness. Now, like many things in the Bible, Christ-likeness is something that we receive when we believe because our lives are placed in him. But also Christ-likeness is something that's developed in us and through us when we daily purpose to love his ways and to walk in his ways. So when a person picks discipleship over membership or just believing, it's at that point their life begins to be transformed. I've met different people that have said to me, you know what, I've been saved for 20 years. But when you sit and speak with them, there's not been much transformational change in their life over the last 20 years. Why? Because when they found Jesus, they became a believer in Jesus, but they never took that next step that we're speaking of, of concerning um, letting the Lord Jesus now disciple or train them in a better way of living. Equally, I've met people that have been saved just a few weeks or a few months and their lives are just blooming and blossoming. There's new life breaking out from within them. And it's obvious that they're undergoing a transformation. And when you speak with these people, again, in the opposite to the former person that I mentioned, this person not only just placed faith in Jesus to save them, but they're living in the word. They're allowing the Holy Spirit to challenge them. What they've done is they've stepped away from a crowd experience about God to being a follower of God. I believe what's going to change our world today isn't a crowd of people that know how to shout the name Jesus, but a group or a community of people that have purposed that they're now going to be followers, disciples of Jesus. Now, the difference is one is to belong the other is to daily submit to. One is to belong to. To be a believer means you belong to him. But to be a disciple means that you're daily submitting and yielding your life to him. I remember um, in my book, God's Blueprint for the Church, if you've never read that, I, I highly encourage you to, uh, 
to read that. Here's a quick advert for it, God's blueprint for his church. I did a whole chapter on discipleship. And there was one example that I used concerning a worktop that you would have in your kitchen to demonstrate the difference between being a believer and being a disciple. Now, we all have worktops in our kitchen and, uh, you know, for many people living in, in richer areas, their worktops are made of slate, quarried from the best quarries in, in, in England and abroad. And others have worktops fashioned from solid oak from a tree they, 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 they loved once from a garden they grew up in. For the rest of us, our worktops are normally um, from a DIY shop and they're made of veneer and they're made of uh, chipboard. Now, for those who don't know what chipboard is, it's particle wood. I know we have people watch, watching from America. It's particle wood. It's particles of wood glued together with glue. In England, we call that chipboard. Anyone in England knows what chipboard is. Now, chipboard's brilliant and the veneer that they put on to a chipboard worktop makes it look like it's actual wood or actual slate and in some ways makes it a lot more hardy for chopping your veg on a Sunday. The reality is everything's good until your washing machine floods in your kitchen and then suddenly this chipboard which is very much like the cereal Weetabix, sucks up all the water that's spilling out of your washing machine and soaks it like a sponge. And suddenly you come home and your kitchen cabinets and your worktop are like 30 times bigger than what they were when you left because they've soaked up all the water. Now, here's my point today. A believer is somebody that's given God ownership of the worktop in many ways. And genuinely, they said, the worktop of my life is now yours. Feel free to polish it whenever you want. Dust it whenever you want. But a disciple is somebody that's taken the next step. And their prayer is very different. Their prayer is, Lord, you now own the worktop of my life. Yet feel free to clean it and dust it off. But I also want you to come now into the grain or the chipboard of who I am and bring about the changes that need to take place. Can you see the difference? A believer is someone that's given um, ownership of who they are to God, but they don't ever really allow him to come into the chipboard and bring the changes that are needed. Whereas a disciple is someone that just like a believer has said, Lord, the work top of my life is now yours. But Lord, I don't want to remain as I've always been. Come now in to the grain of who I am, the chipboard of who I am. And by your spirit and by your word, you bring about the changes within me that you know need to take place. One of the things that the Lord will do is he'll begin to exchange what you thought was truth and wisdom within you to what truth and wisdom actually is. The Bible says, and we've referred to it last week in Romans 12 too, it says, no longer be conformed to the pattern, the opinions um, uh, of this world, but now be transformed. How? By the renewing of your a renewing of your life by the word of God. So when we're living in the word, the word then becomes a living in us. As we abide in the word, the word abides in us and begins to change things 
on the inside of us. Now, this is all very well when things are being changed that we didn't really like or we didn't really care too much about. But where the rubber really hits the road is when all of a sudden God's working on the inside of you. Let's call it your belief system. And all of a sudden he begins to address by his word and by his spirit something that you've got a very, very strong opinion about. The problem is your opinion about that thing doesn't agree with God's opinion. This is where the rubber hits the road, whether you're going to be a believer or a disciple. In that moment, what do you do? I want to encourage you, and I've known these moments in my life, to always say, all right, Lord, that's different to what I believed before. That's different to the philosophy I had or the wisdom I lived, lived by before. But right now, I want an exchange of wisdom on the inner parts of who I am. Change my belief system, Lord, in regard to that thing. This isn't something or a prayer that a mere believer would pray, but it is a prayer, an ongoing prayer, I believe, that a person that said, I want to be a disciple would pray. Now, the reality is there are many different philosophies in life that we can adhere to or we can count as true, but that doesn't make them true. We've got to make sure as disciples or followers of Jesus, we're exchanging wrong wisdom or wrong philosophy with correct wisdom and correct philosophy. Why? Because philosophy, if it's wrong, can actually make you a prisoner. We're going to read a verse that amplifies that in a few moments. Now, I'm using this word philosophy and you're like, you've lost me now. Bear in mind, I'm somebody that left school before they asked him to leave. But actually what I've discovered over the last few years is even though I left school with not much of an education, I am still a philosopher and so are you. Why? Because a philosopher is simply someone who has a philosophy. A philosophy is a very simple thing really. It's one word made up of two. The first part is philo, which is natural love. The second part is Sophia or Sophia, which is wisdom and knowledge. So the word philosophy simply means the natural love of wisdom and knowledge. Now, there's no absence or shortage of people peddling philosophies around in the world today. The real question for a person that wants to be a disciple or a follower of Jesus is which philosophies or which wisdom are you choosing to love? The wisdom of this world? the wisdom of what was handed you by your fathers, or the wisdom of God now available to us in his word. Let me read you this verse where Paul speaks about philosophies in Colossians 2 verse 8. Listen to this warning that Paul gives us regarding philosophies that are not in alignment with what God says is true. See to it, this is Colossians 2 verse 8, see to it that no one takes you captive or imprisons you through hollow and deceptive philosophies which depend on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than those that come from Christ. Again, let me read you this from another translation, the Passion Translation. It says, beware that no one distracts you or intimidates you in their attempt to lead you away from Christ's fullness by pretending to be full of wisdom when they're filled with endless arguments and mere human logic. 
for they operate with humanistic and clouded judgments based on the mindset of this world system and not the anointed truths of the anointed one. I love the way that the Passion Translation colours that scripture or that sentence of truth in. What it's saying is we now have a choice as believers. We can continue to draw from the wisdom that was handed us by our ancestors or the wisdom that's being offered us by this world or the systems of this world. Or we can turn to the wisdom um, and the thinking and the truth of God and say, you know what? I want his wisdom to now be the wisdom and the truth that's operating in me. It's It's an exchange that takes place within us. So disciples are people that not just hear the truth, but they're people that choose to let their lives now be governed by the truth. It's interesting, again, this takes us back to that moment in Genesis where Adam made a decision to turn away from God's wisdom to embrace other wisdom. In many ways, when we choose to receive Christ, we do a reverse manoeuvre to what Adam did And we're to turn away from other wisdom that we've been living on back to God's. Remember that moment in Genesis where God had said to him, here's my wisdom. Everything you need is in me. Everything you could ever want, you'll find in me. Don't eat the fruit of that tree. There's wisdom and knowledge in there that you don't need. But Adam, under the deception of the devil, did exactly what God told him not to do. And he ate the fruit of the tree that was forbidden. In that moment, if you imagine Adam was facing this way, beholding God and his wisdom and his truth. In that moment when he chose other wisdom, he turned from God and embraced the wisdom that was actually coming from the devil. um, A wisdom outside of God's wisdom an I know better than God kind of way of thinking. And everything went from worse to worse from that point. But when a person's born again, We're actually called to shift back to what Adam knew before he fell. We're actually called in that moment to say, I believe in Jesus, to now turn from the other wisdoms that we've been embracing back to God to draw from him everything that is actually true and wise. As we do that, we redesign our belief system. Now, once again, let me encourage you, every one of us have a belief system and every one of us live true to our belief system when we're thinking about it and when we're not. Your belief system is made up of the philosophies you've embraced, philosophies of a wisdom that you've counted as true to this point in your life. As a man thinks in his heart, so he will be. The question is, what is a man thinking in their heart and what are those thoughts based upon I want to encourage you today those that have said I'm not going to be a believer alone but I'm going to be a disciple a follower of Jesus to ever be allowing the exchange of wisdom and truth within the chipboard or the grain of who you are towards God's voice no longer away from it Okay, let's bring this in for a landing today. Disciples are also people who choose to live by his teachings and be obedient to them on a daily basis. 
Jesus said that this is what actually defined who a disciple was. Let me read you these verses from John chapter 8, verse 31, where Jesus was speaking to the Jews. And he said this to them, and it sounds quite harsh, but it is as it is as you listen to it. To the Jews who had believed in him, remember the Jews had believed in him. These weren't the Jews that hadn't believed in him. He was speaking to Jews that had heard his gospel, his good news, and they'd purposed to believe in him as the Messiah. So it's always important to see who Jesus is addressing when you read the word. It says, to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold now true to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Okay, think about that again for a moment as we close. Jesus is speaking to people who had believed in him, which meant they were saved according to the word. What must the person do to be saved? Believe in him. But Jesus said to them, if you want to move now from just being a believer to being a disciple or one of my followers, you need to purpose that you're going to hold true to my teaching. Again, this is a theme that carries throughout the teachings of Jesus throughout the Gospels. He said, if you abide in me and my word or my truth abide in you. We've got to understand that God hasn't called us to a one moment experience of giving our lives to him. But that's the entrance level or the porchway into a much larger, more beautiful, incredible thing called being a disciple and a follower of Jesus. And again, that's the second part, isn't it, of the Great Commission verse that we opened up with today in Matthew 28. He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to us. Isn't that wonderful? He's given us his authority. He says, therefore, go and make disciples. Don't just get some people to pray a prayer and lift their hand up. That's better than nothing, but there's a better alternative. Making disciples. Be baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then it says this in verse 20. And be teaching them to obey everything I've commanded them. Often we leave out that last verse, verse 20, when we refer to the Great Commission. We say, no, we're called to go into all the world and make disciples. But Jesus hadn't finished speaking. He then says, how we make disciples is by teaching people how to obey. Remember, Adam's problem was disobedience. We're called to teach people now to obey everything that Jesus has taught and commanded. So our question today was simply, are you a believer or are you a disciple? Are you someone that's prayed the prayer recently or many years ago? but never really done anything more with your relationship with God than praying that prayer. Today, I want to encourage you. There's so much more. Being a believer, placing your faith in God like the thief on the cross will save you. But God's got a larger plan than that. He wants to transform you, change you, give you a life beyond anything you imagined. Not in heaven, but here on earth. Let me just close with this thought. Like I said at the beginning, there's really three categories of 
people when it comes to Christianity and talking this conversation that we've been speaking about today. Number one, there's unbelievers or non-believers. That would be a person that's never placed faith in Jesus to save them. We spoke to someone in our interview last week, Paul, who was an atheist. He didn't believe in God. That made him an unbeliever. Maybe you're watching today and you've, you've watched somebody share it on Facebook or you found us because of an advert. We're so glad you joined us today. And maybe you're sitting there today saying, I've never given my life to Jesus. Well, that makes you, in the context of our conversation today, an unbeliever. The good news is, you can move from being an unbeliever to being a believer with one simple prayer. You say, well, I was raised that you had to pay penance and do it. No, 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 no. All of that is man-made additives. One prayer. The same as when the jailer asked Paul, what must I do to be saved? One prayer. Place faith in Jesus Christ. That prayer that we're going to pray in a moment takes a person from being an unbeliever, unsaved, to being a believer, saved. But also today, I want to talk to those who would say, well, I'm a believer, Andy, but I've never become a disciple or a follower. My encouragement to you is, go on, go ahead and do that. Suddenly, everything about Christianity will suddenly be colored in. Maybe you're watching today and you're in the third category and you're saying, yep, yeah, no, I'm a believer. I've placed my faith in Jesus and I've been living like a disciple. I'm a follower of Jesus and... Uh, Boy, yeah, I'm allowing him to change my thinking by his word and his spirit to you. I would just simply encourage you and say, keep on digging. It only ever gets better and better as your purpose to follow him every day of your life. But let's go back to that first category as we close today. If you're watching today and you've never given your life to Jesus, one prayer, one moment. Maybe you're watching today and you once were a follower of Jesus but you got distracted, offended. Something pulled you away and you went back to live in true to the things of the world and really not having a heart for God. But all of a sudden, like an alarm clock, something's gone off inside of you that said, I need to get right with God again. That's wonderful. I'm so glad that you're watching this morning and you have the opportunity right now to do that. How are we going to do this? I'm going to pray a very simple prayer. And I'm not going to ask you to pray along with me. I'm going to ask you that if you're praying this for your life today, that at the end you just say a big amen. And as you say amen, what you're saying is, that prayer was my prayer for me today. Whether you've never known him or whether you've been away from him and you want to come back to him today, just pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, thank you that you sent your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for me. No other person or way can lead me to you, God, only Jesus. I turn my eyes and my faith towards Jesus today and I say, thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me, for taking my sin upon yourself, for giving me your life for my old one. Thank you that as I place faith in you to save me today, Save me, you do. You give me a brand new life. You take away my old one. As far as the east is from the west, you remove my sins and transgressions far from me. I receive a brand new life today. 
Holy Spirit, come and live inside of me and start to change me from the inside out. Today, I purpose in my heart to believe on Jesus, but also to become a disciple and a follower of Jesus Christ from today. Amen. Just pray that prayer right now and just say amen, amen. Just say that word, amen. The Bible says that if you've prayed that prayer from an earnest heart today, God has heard your prayer. And right now you've moved from being unsaved to saved. We've got a booklet we'd love to send you free. And it just gives you some understanding of what happened when you prayed that prayer and uh, helps you to understand what it is to build a relationship. And all you need to do is just let us know that you prayed that prayer and just send me an email, andy at family.church. And uh, whether you've just come to the Lord for the first time and you're like, what do I do now? Or whether you've been away from the Lord or today you just renewed your commitment to him. Just send me an email, andy at family.church. And we'll go ahead and we'll send you this free book on what it is to know Jesus. I hope you've been challenged today. I hope that you've been challenged that being a believer is awesome, but being a disciple is better. The Lord bless you. Have an incredible day today. And I pray that the rest of August is an amazing time where you enjoy an element of rest within it. See you next week. God bless.